Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this podcast comes from Healthnetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? Healthnetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. Healthnetics products are all natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at healthnetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, universe? Jose Young's back for another edition of the A-Side over on MMAfighting.com. It is, of course, Wednesday, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. So we are live once again. Joining me this week, Alexander Kaylee. He was my first ever co-host. He, I don't, you can't see him if he doesn't talk. So I don't know why. Oh, hey, guys. Showing you. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I forgot. Oh, I, you, okay, so that my short, I was just showing off the shirt. Showing off the brand as, as I'm contractually obligated to do. And I finally got a little insider joke. I finally got my mug after several months of calling for one. So we're both on brand. But as always, this is the A-Side live chat. Alexander K. Lee, Toronto's own. First time he's been on the show since the Raptors won the NBA Finals. You were my first co-host as host of the A-Side. And you, uh, in legendary fashion... One of the questions was, will the Raptors win? And you said, Raptors in six. And that's exactly what happened. So let's see if we can get some more of that Toronto magic from you. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm, I was. I, I honestly barely remember that I made that prediction until it, it got to the game five or game six. Uh, and let me say, I was at the uh, I was at the parade last Monday. And it was horrible. I, I was one of the people I tried to camp out at the end of the parade at the in Nathan Phillips Square in Toronto to welcome, you know, welcome the players when they arrived. And it took about five and a half hours for them to get there. And I'd been camping out already for about seven hours. So uh, I was standing in a in a crowd for about uh, 12 hours. I'm, I'm lucky to be alive and lucky to be here for our, our lovely viewers. So I, I'm here for you. thinking about being on the show again is really what got me through the hardest times. So you're telling me the city of Toronto doesn't know how to hold a championship parade? It's like they've never won anything before. It's been a long time, man. It's been a long time, I'll tell you. And I can't imagine, I was pretty young when the Jays won about over 20 some years ago. I don't think it was as crazy as this. This was something I think they said over 2 million people. And yeah, you could tell it it was rough. Uh, I'm not from a city of champions like one Mr. Jose here. I was going to say, like growing up in New England, we have you're born with a you're born you learn how to read and you learn how to hold a championship parade it's just welcome to new england 
Get ready remember, for a parade. Remember, remember every when you guys were tragic? Do you remember when your region was tragic? What, what happened do. to that? That was so much more fun for the rest of us. That was, I do. We, we, the rest of us enjoyed that so much. Yeah, but those are days in the past, and now we are a city of champions. So it's like, it's like one every four years in some sport. You guys are celebrating. That. Less than that. Even <laughs> Bruins might have lost, but we we still make the championships every year. But be boring at this point. Watch again. Hey, beat us if you don't like it. <laughs> but anyway, we could talk about how much how much better Boston is than Toronto for the next three hours. But we're gonna jump to the questions. As always, you can leave a comment in the comment section of the post. Uh, the green questions will obviously prioritize, or you can use ha the hashtag the A side on Twitter, and we'll get to your questions. But jump into the comment section right off the bat, Alex. Aldo and his new contract. What do you think changed his mind from wanting to finish his contract and move on to signing a new long-term deal from our friend Zaku Kokegi on the site? So for those of you who don't know, uh, Jose Aldo, former featherweight kingpin, signed a new uh, eight-fight deal, nine-fight deal. I can't remember the exact number with the UFC, but this comes after he was saying he wanted to finish up his contract and then retire. He wanted to have basically have all of his fights in Brazil and then ride off into the sunset. Uh, what do you think changes mine? I, I have a few thoughts and maybe theories, but obviously we I don't know 100 percent. But uh, what what do you make of Jose Aldo basically doing a 180 since his last fight? I mean, you know, money, I'm sure I'm sure uh, uh, UFC flashed the cash. It's always a basic answer. But, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure there's more to it than that. For one thing, I, I think he can see, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of the talk was of him wanting to try his hand at, you know, just professional boxing or just doing something else outside of MMA. But. Uh, if anything, probably these last few fights have reminded him or shown him that he still has a lot, uh, a lot left in the tank. I mean, yes, he lost to Volkanovski. It was a convincing win for Volkanovski. Uh, not disputing that, but I mean, you know, he went. It's not like he was blown out. He went all three rounds. Um, it, it, was, it was a pretty solid fight that he just happened to lose. But before that, he takes out Moicano. He takes out Jeremy Stevens. Um, you know, there's a loss to Max Holloway, but that's certainly nothing, uh, nothing to be ashamed of. He's uh, he's a hard. He's a hard 32 years old. Um, but I think he knows, you know, I think he just took, he surveyed the landscape outside the UFC and realized, uh, you know, there's no place like home, which is uh, really what the UFC has been with for him for uh, the better part of the last decade. So, yeah, uh, money and also just comfort. You know, it's 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 what he knows. Um, I think we'd all like to see him step outside of his comfort zone a little bit, maybe try 155, but that's probably another discussion. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a super complicated uh, a reason for why he's uh, just decided to stick around. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I do think his last performance had a lot to do with it. I mean, he was saying he wanted to ride off into the sunset when he was finishing all the all of these fighters like Jeremy Stevens and Hanato Moicano, like back to back finishes. And then he doesn't only lose to Alexander Volkanovsky, like it was pretty convincing, like 30-27. Like he got outclassed in his hometown, <clears throat> Somme City, on a major card. Uh I think that played a has a lot to do with it. Like he he doesn't want the the last memories of, in my opinion, the greatest featherweight fighter ever to be getting outclassed in front of the real crowd. And yeah, there's the argument that Max is now the GOAT. I know Joe Rogan always says that. Uh, but Max Holloway, the current champion, he'll, he even calls Jose Aldo the greatest. Like He has stuff to do. I think if Max, Max finishes Frankie Edgar uh, at Edmonton at the end of July, I think that should be enough to kind of put him over Jose Aldo. But for right now, I think Jose Aldo is still the greatest featherweight ever. Max Holloway's right there behind him. Uh, and only like he's 
getting better and better every fight, as you saw. Yeah, he did lose Justin Poirier, but that was a lightweight. But I, I think a major factor is a money. He probably got a lot of money thrown his way, and b he his the memories of his last performance uh, are really kind of rooted into his mind, and he kind of wa- he definitely wants to erase that. Frankie's going to beat uh, Holloway anyway, so you know it's uh, that's really not. Uh... Not a discussion. I agree. I think Aldo will go down as the greatest featherweight of all time because you know Ed- Edgar until he fights Edgar again a third time and Edgar finally beats him. So I I I should uh, I think if viewers can't tell I'm a bit of a, a bit of a Frankie Edgar Mark. I'm a fan. I'm a non biased uh, reporter slash blog guy, but I do have some fighters I like. I'll I'll admit it. I let people know now. I'm a not Frankie Edgar fan. Uh, uh, warts and all. So um, yeah, I think I think Frankie's. I'm just putting that out there. It's not one of the questions. So I figure, hey, why not just say Frankie's going to beat Holloway and then knock out Aldo inside of a round and <laughs> and I can't wait. And I know for sure. Uh, I I can't see the live chat right now. But anytime <laughs> someone said brings up Jose Aldo or being the greatest or anything like that, you just get a million. Thirteen seconds. Thirteen seconds. Thirteen oh, seconds. Gosh. Which. Fair enough. He lost to Conor McGregor in 13 seconds, but then Conor never fought again at featherweight ever again after that. So I still put Jose Aldo as the greatest featherweight ever, but he lost fair and square to Conor McGregor. There's no arguing that. it was. It, there's no controversy surrounding 13 seconds. But anything else you want to say about Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo's contract before we move on? No, I'm just going to say you're happy, guys. You got your Conor mention. I don't think we had a single question uh, or any topic on hand I was going to discuss Conor, but uh, there it is. You're right. That's for all, the, uh, all our... All our trolls out there is your Connor yeah. mention. We had PC Carroll on last week, and we didn't get many questions about it either. So, sticking with uh, the theme of the of the A side, but moving on from Lodovic, our friend on the site, is Bellator slowly becoming Strikeforce 2.0? Hey guys, that New York Bellator event made me think: Is Scott Coker slowly turning Bellator into a new Strikeforce? At least when it comes to recruiting young talents. He had two Gracies and Dylan da- Dylan Dennis on the card, i.e. world-class BJJ guys. They have Ed Ruth and Aaron Pico, top-notch wrestlers. James Gallagher and Adam Boric show they have a strong game strong game in Europe, and they're getting even more talent on their shows by co-promotion. Yes, they still have some lackluster shows, but is it some? It seems something is brewing in there. What's your take on the current status? And more importantly, where do you? Where could they get in a few more years? Also, do you see them co-promoting with other organizations like KSW? Thanks as always, and thanks as always for keeping the show running. Anytime, I love doing the A sides. So it's going to run as long as I have breath in my lungs. But uh, for the KSW thing, I know uh, the the Scott Coker and uh, Martin Ludadowski. I can never pronounce his last name. Uh, the president of KSW, like they're friendly. Like they've said, I know Scott Coker has said in the past if they ever do hold an event in Poland. He's not going to do it without KSW's involvement. Uh, I know when they hold a lot of the events, like in Birmingham and Bell and uh, Dublin, and all those car those events, they work hand in hand with uh, the local promotions to fill the prelims, kind of help set the arena up and everything. So if they do go to Poland, they're for sure. I can't imagine they're they're definitely going to co promote with KSW. But uh, what do you make of this whole is Bellator Strikeforce 2.0, as uh, our our good friend on the site pointed out? Well, first, uh, KS, this the thought of them co-promoting with KSW is friggin' fantastic. Uh, our own Jed Mishu will tell you that KSW is bar none the greatest promotion in the world. Uh, PT's done a ton of coverage uh, on KSW, so we have definitely have fans here at MMA Fighting, and I know there's a lot of fans. That any anyone who's seen it always kind of just walks away with like this impression of like, holy crap, that's a great product, and uh, you know they want to see more of that. Uh, of course, you know maybe the talent level isn't quite as high as Bellator or the UFC, though there are some very good fighters there. Um, but uh, yeah, if they co-promote it with Bellator, they would for sure be able to put on a, a quality show. Um, so 
uh, do we see that happening? Gosh, I hope so. You know, fingers crossed. And and uh, like Jose said, um, it's it seems likely. There's definitely communication there. So uh, the belt, the Strike Force 2.0 question, they kind of kind of already are uh, like the becoming is is an odd thing i think um you know once they once scott coker took over all those years ago those comparisons were going to happen no matter what and um nothing he's done so far i think has has uh done anything to make those comparisons lessen uh he look scott coker's a smart guy he he's always known not to compete with the ufc but to be an alternative to the UFC, which is what Strikeforce was, and it's what Bellator is. So, um, so the question, yes, in a way, it's 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 it already has become. Um, they have some, like you said, the, some of the talents they mentioned. Like I think Neiman Gracie showed a lot in uh, in that Roy McDonald fight. I know I know he didn't win, but he showed a lot, and I think that's a guy that that they, he's a big part of their uh, welterweight division, which I think we'll discuss more later uh, for years to come. Dylan Dennis, love him or hate him, I can't believe this guy keeps generating headlines. Uh, you know, I can't stand that kind of persona, but boy, we're talking about it, aren't we? And uh, Edry with Aaron Pico, a lot of the wrestlers that they've been signing. Uh, I'm just looking at the names that um, Lodovic mentioned. James Geller, Adam Bortz. Yeah, these these are guys, young guys you can build up. Uh, hopefully, they don't end up, you know, hopefully they end up being assets for Bellator and not future assets for the UFC. Um, but yeah, it, it, as far as Bellator becoming like a strike, maybe, maybe not 2.0, maybe strike force, uh, you know, 1.5, something like that. Because I do feel like they're their own thing and, and different. Um, but yeah, as long as Scott Coker is there, that's the, that's the influence you're going to have. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing Scott Coker does, it's finding uh, high quality fighters to uh, these young high quality fighters to build off of. Like, if you look at the UFC now, like Daniel Cormier, Luke Rockhold, like uh, Jacques Array, even Gegard. Like, yeah, Gegard was a big name, and Jacques Array was a big name before, but he brought all those guys into there was into Strike Force, and then obviously the UFC bought Strike Force, and they all got they all moved over. But there was like there was a time where a bunch of like the top tens of every division had some remnant of strike force near the, in the top five, top 10. So Scott Coker's, I may, I don't know if he's doing the exact same thing, but he's Dylan Dennis is t- what two and O now. And he's like looking at that. I, I was looking at like, cause I was handling a lot of the YouTube and Instagram stuff like Dylan Dennis is outside of Chael Sonnen's retirement. Dylan Dennis had the most views, most clicks, most everything. So whether Alex hates it or not, Dylan Dennis is two and zero and is is way up there in terms of traffic to the site. So people want people want that Dylan Dennis. Yeah, and I mean, look, Strike Force was built around both talents and attractions. Like you said, they had towns like again, guys people hadn't heard of, like Luke Rockhold. Uh, they 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 gave Tim Kennedy his break. I'm thinking about all middleweights for some reason. Jacare, you know, they brought him over to the U.S. Uh, so so they were kind of built on that, and they also had attractions like. And I'm not saying anyone they have right now in their roster could compare to this, but of course the Kimbo Slice, who is still, I can't, I say this all the time, is still probably one of the five biggest proven draws in MMA history for a guy who only fought I think eight or nine times. So it, that's that's something that that Bellator and Scott Coker in general has always been able to do that I think the UFC has never quite been able to. do. I don't know if they've ever been able to balance the attraction, the strict attraction part with guys who are also good fighters. They've got guys who are good fighters and also attractions, of course, Conor McGregor, uh, you know, attractions outside of their fighting ability. Um, but they haven't had guys who are, they haven't, I don't think they've ever got like, like the CM Punk thing, I don't think paid off. Mm-hmm. Um, so not in the modern era anyway. They, they've never been able to find just those guys who are just attractions, not necessarily great fighters uh, who can who can legitimately draw. And again, I'm not, and Dylan Dennis, who knows? Maybe he is a great fighter who can also draw, but that remains to be seen. Yeah, Kimbo Slice is a good uh, 
so it was a good name to bring up because yeah, Kimbo fought in the UFC, but he wasn't headlining these giant like ten pole events like he was in Bellator. And yeah, mm-hmm. that that Houston fight where he fought Dada five thousand might be the worst fight in UFC history or the best fight in, in well in, in MMA history, not UFC history. Uh, might be the worst fight in MMA history or the best fight in MMA history, <laughs> as some people say. But uh, that was. People tuned in to watch Kimbo Slice fight on that card, and I, that, the main event of that wasn't that Shamrock versus Gracie, like two or three or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, the UFC is—they're <laughs> not doing that in 2019. They're, they're not putting Hoist Gracie versus Ken Shamrock as a main event with Kimbo. But I bet Slice. they wish they could, though. I bet they wish they could have that uh, for some of their fight night events. You know what I mean? Like like a, an ESPN card, like because they only do a few ESPN cards a year now. I'm not the ESPN Plus. I'm saying specifically the ones aired on ESPN. I wonder. If they would love to have that option to have like every now and then have just a crazy special attraction fight. I um, hate it. I don't want it. I absolutely don't <laughs> want it on ESPN. <laughs> I mean, BJ Penn's fighting on the prelim cards and the prelim events of these big cards, and we're seeing how that's playing out. I definitely don't want to see Ken Shamrock versus Hoist Gracie on ESPN. <laughs> yeah, people would watch, but I wouldn't want to watch that. All right. I would. <laughs> Moving on. Future of fighting from Milo of Croton or Milo of Croton. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Future of fighting. By the way, I just want to interrupt and say, I, uh, I hope our, our, our users are not too clever with you. I always feel like uh, we're going to read out some username that is like some foreign translation of like a, a lurid sex act or something. So if you guys are doing that, I'm just saying ahead of time, please don't because we, we, we read these names out verbatim. We are, we are hapless members of the media. We're doing our best. We don't know. You know, we don't know all these crazy terms and memes that you kids are coming up with these days. So please be uh, be kind with your usernames. I'm sorry, Jose, continue. Well, I guarantee you no one thought of that until you just brought it up. So I know yeah. people are going to start doing it. So old man Alex is <laughs> given the youths of, of the world ideas. But moving on from Milo of Croton or Milo of Croton. I'm sorry if I mispronounced uh, the name, but future fighting. Hey, guys. Recently, Dana White unveiled what he described as the future of fighting. I don't know if the UFC Apex and various performance institutes are that, but I do appreciate the UFC trying new things and having a vision for the sport. Question, what is your opinion on the future of MMA media? Thanks. Bonus question, should there be journalist versions of the PI where every hour on the hour, an automated recording of Luke Thomas calls you a donk and berates your work? Hashtag free Pizza Carroll. Well, Pizza Carroll is not captured at all he's just he was on last week and he was great uh everyone loves pizza uh so he'll be on again in the future but uh i was actually at the ufc apex uh the the big tour and the day in the debut that when dana white did call the future fighting and it looks great from what was built but it's not done yet i mean the tour we had the only thing i said this last week the only thing that was done being built was uh the 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 Contender series ring in the middle, the the octagon, the cage, whatever you want to call it. And then Dana White's office was done. And then everything else was, this is where this will be when we're done building. This is where this will go. This is where this will go. So is it the future of fighting? Maybe, but I want to see it being done. I want to see it built first. Uh, and I do, the, the UFC PI is being built. Dana said, like, China, Puerto Rico, like, these, these, uh, countries that mma is not in the mainstream yet like someone asked him like why don't you have one in brazil or dublin or all these other countries where mma is popular and he goes well that's not the point we want to build up mma in these countries so we can break ground and then bring mma to the forefront to be a legitimate sport and then we can start growing the talent there 
which is why China and Puerto Rico and Mexico were kind of uh, marked as where he wanted these PIs to go. But uh, future of MMA media, I mean, MMA fighting is still going to be here. <laughs> and with, as for getting yelled at by Luke Thomas, like, whatever, he can yell at me. I'll just say, cool, man, uh, keep doing your thing. What well, I don't know what, if, uh, what your take on that is, though. I actually have an app. It's a Luke Thomas app. Uh, you have to be part of a special sign-up list that it does exactly what this guy said. It like yells at you. So it's uh, like the rock clock where it wakes you up yes. at 4 a.m. to work out. Exactly, exactly. It's It constantly asks me how much I lifted today, which is usually nothing. So uh, it hasn't been great for my self-esteem, I'll be honest with you. But I think it's been good for my productivity. So, uh, Luke yeah, you calling you a donk? Good for your <sighs> self-esteem? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Hard truth. It's rough. It's rough because uh, I know I'm a donk and I don't need Luke Thomas <laughs> telling me. So uh, it really hurts. Um, uh, should there be a journalist version of the PI? Gosh, uh, good question. Um, well, going to journalism school, taking journalism ethics. <laughs> yeah. If anyone's been to journalism school, trust me, it is a grind. And uh, you'll 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 know uh, that it, you won't need a PI after. I'll tell you that much. It is it, it is rough. Um, the future of fighting thing. I mean, it, it, it's it's um, it's, you know. Jose, it's kind of crazy to me that like so many people have dis- I see people asking this on Twitter too, like, what was the future of fighting that Dana was even after the Apex got revealed, they were like, What was the future of fighting? Was it just the Apex? I was surprised so many people like latched onto this phrase. Like I I th- saw it as like sort of this stock kind of press release comment. Um, so I didn't look into it too much. Maybe it's the future of, of the UFC. Like I, I think I've spoken uh, um when I've had to speak about this before, I'm optimistic for, you know, I don't mean to, to crap on the idea of the UFC apex. I think it's cool. And I think what he wants to do as far as it, you know, it being this venue that they have hundred percent control over, I can do anything there, jujitsu competitions or kickboxing, boxing, you know, he's talked about, he's talked about uh, Dana White, his having his son compete there sometime. It's cool. It's a very cool idea, you know, and I'm sure there's all kinds of regulations and paperwork that uh, need to be done before these things can happen. But until I see that, I don't know. I don't know if I'm convinced that it's not just, like I said, an upgraded version of the PI, which again was also a great idea already. So uh, the future of fighting thing is is definitely, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's what the apex represents. It's a big step for the company itself, but for all of MMA and fighting, I know the UFC is the leader and as they go, Everyone else tends to go, but I don't know. I don't know if I buy into the whole future of fighting thing. Well, the, uh, the, the PI is right next to the apex. Like it's not mm. one or the other. The apex is pretty much where the events are going to be held because they're going to ha- be able to do all the broadcasting and booth work and everything right there. And the PI is just five minute walk away or like a shuttle ride away. Uh, so I, I again, like I, I think it's cool and I think it's a really, it'll be really neat when like, uh, in, it, like Invicta want, if held an event in Las Vegas for, cause a lot of their events are in Kansas city, but if they have the, like for like upcoming, uh, international fight week, if Invicta held, remember they held that event with, with cyborg headlined in Las Vegas during international mm-hmm. fight week. That was, I was awesome. But, and if they do that again, but they they have a place already built in the UFC Apex with the broadcasting tools, with the ability to go live, with the ability to like cut to a desk, all right there. I think that's hugely beneficial for uh, promotions like Invicta or Titan or LFA or any of these smaller promotions that want to like look legitimate rather than like I don't know if you've covered an L- LFA event. And I don't know if, if I'm just using L- LFA as an example, but uh, like the, in in Ar- when they're held in Arizona, the the cage is kind of pushed up against a, a it's in a concert venue so it's pushed up against a stage and it's very it's weird to get around there's the media section is really far away 
Uh, obviously, I don't. I have no idea how they broadcast. I haven't looked into how they broadcast it on the internet or anything. But if if promotions like that already have a cage in the professional setting with this equipment already all there, like I think it's hugely beneficial for the smaller promotions to be able to go in there and get like if and especially because a lot of this stuff is going to be on Fight Pass or ESPN Plus. Like all of these promotions with deals that air on Fight Pass, if they can just go to Vegas and have this equipment already there waiting for them, I think it's awesome for the smaller promotions. And the UFCPI is right across the street. Yeah, if the, if the Apex can become this hub that it is sort of being hyped as, that is super exciting, like you said, for everyone, not just the UFC. So maybe I'm being a little cynical <laughs> in questioning the whole future thing. Um, but uh, like I said, I'm almost, I want to believe it when I'll see it. So the intention is good. I just, I just need a little more, a little more proof. Uh, I sort of skirted around the future and main media question. So I'll just touch on that quickly. It, it's certainly in flux. I think people can see that, you know, I'm not going to tell people, oh, you know, because our site has clearly changed a lot. We, we've had, we brought some great talent in. We've seen some great talent go out, um, but it, it's in flux. But I also will say, and I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm biased. I'm in the MMA media. It's, it's exciting. I think it's exciting. I think, I, I hope people are checking out what's been going on at The Athletic. I, I, I think I've plugged them every time I've been on any show because I know people are loath to subscribe to anything these days. It's just not the way people use the internet now. You know, they don't want to subscribe, but I, I would say, please give it a chance, take a trial. There, there's just a different kind of reporting that we do because I think what we do is important. I think the kind of stuff they're doing there is important. And obviously some of our colleagues are there, so I stand by them. So check out The Athletic, check out the work going on at ESPN. That's exciting. You know, uh, we've got guys like Ariel and Mark, they're over at ESPN. They're taking that coverage to a new level. So it's it's going to be different. You know, I, I'm not sure what the overall image of MMA media has been. And if people seem to think it's, I don't know, trending in a wrong direction for whatever reason, but I think it's trending in a good direction. I think uh, you're, you just have more options. And for the reader, that's good. For us, that's good. And I, I always assume for the reader, that's good. Um, I would love it if MMA fighting was everyone's one-stop shop for all their MMA needs. But, you know, you know, once you read all our stuff and click on all of our articles uh, a thousand times, throw these little guys a bone throw the little guys at espn a bone you know what i mean give them a right. click here and there yeah right like like the espn what is that a newsletter that comes out once every couple weeks yeah i think it's espen i think it's pronounced espen espen right right yeah, yeah but and again i don't it's weird to think about but since we're in the mma media i don't i haven't looked at it as like an outside viewer in a long time mm -hmm. so it's when people ask us like the future of mma media i was like well well like it's good. It's good that all these sites are being built. But then I think about like, man, the optics looking in must be rough, but it's not like I, the reality is it's not rough. Like jobs are good for everybody. Like the more jobs that are created in any media is awesome. But moving on, anything else you want to say about all this, the apex or MMA media, Alex? Uh, no, the, if we talk about the MMA media anymore, I'm, I'm probably going to start taking shots at people. So let's oh, just leave. Right. Yeah. And I know our co our colleague, Jed Michoud, over in Atlanta being like, no, this is a gang war <laughs> versus everyone. But uh, we're not quite as aggressive as uh, our good friend, Jed Michoud, who I'm still trying to get on the A side because Lord knows the Internet needs his hot takes. But <laughs> moving on from LFMWA on the site, welterweight title picture, UFC and Bellator. Welterweight might be the hottest division in the sport right now, arguably deeper than ever before. Starting with the UFC, how do you see this? How do you see this picture shaking out? What is next for Camaro, and who do you want to be next? Colby versus Robbie, Askin versus Jorge, Tyron is taken out, Camaro is injured, and then we also have Bellator. How do you see this title picture shaking out? We have Rory versus Lima two in the welterweight Grand Prix and the for the t championship. 
Paul Daly's out there. Ed Ruth is is a fun matchup for everyone. MVP's winning streak is finally broken. I imagine we'll see um, more fun matchups with him too. But yeah, uh, Alex, we were talking about this a little before we went on air. Welterweight division is pretty awesome across the board. I mean, yes, most people point to the lightweight division as the most exciting in MMA, uh, especially because the top 15, like you could be outside the top 15 and still be considered an elite, elite fighter. Welterweight division is right there behind him as one of the more, most exciting fighters in all of MMA. But uh, how do you see the the this, the landscape of the 175-170-pound division shaking out between UFC and Bellator over the next few years? Don't say 175 pounds. Hey, Dana White doesn't like that, all right? No. no. No 165, no 175, Jose, all right? Come on, stay with it. it into existence. Don't do it. Come on now. Uh, I'll say this. How how great is it that the welterweight division is moving? I, I can't. I think it was after the um, after Till took out Cerrone or something that there, there, there was a moment where you had all these contenders, and for some reason, just nobody could get matched up. There was like health reasons. There was rankings reasons. And it sucked because you knew there was all these good fights, and then... Uh, I, I guess Tyron losing the belt kind of loosened things up a bit, kind of opened it up. Uh, who could fight who again? Uh, so, so that's a good. It's just exciting. Yes, that 170, which, like we said, one of the top three divisions probably in MMA is is moving. For Kamaru, man, it is a shame that we can't get Colby Covington again. Love him or hate him, I do want to see him in a title shot. I, you know, I wanted to see him fight Tyron. I think a lot of people did. I want to see him fight Usman. So, you know, now he's got this fight with Robbie instead. That's a super dangerous fight for him. If you ask me today, I'm actually picking Robbie. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know how that's going to shake out. As for Kamaru, I, I guess he gets the, you know, the Askren Masvidal winner. Unless I'm missing something more obvious, which I do all the time. Uh, and that's a matchup I would love too. I'd love to see if Ben Askren, Kamaru Usman. So, uh, you know, the champ has some some good options. And just to touch upon the Bellator thing, there's just one thing. I liked the, what uh, LFMWA Gosh, I hope that's not again not an acronym for something like that. <laughs> I, I like what he said about uh, MVP's winning streak, you know, being broken as kind of a good thing because they had to be very delicate with uh, Michael Page and his matchmaking. They clearly didn't want him to lose, and when you do that, it does limit what you can do with him. So now that he has that first loss out of the way, it's like, hey, you know, you're, it's right. It does open things up. It's there's no need to 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 preserve this aura. And now you can just look for fun matchups for him and, and get him to fight. So I hadn't even thought about that. So I like that point by LFMWA. Um, uh, beyond all the stuff with the, the, the tournament and, you know, Roy Lima too. Yeah, keep an eye on MVP. I want, I hope that Bellator um, finds a way to use him. Because, again, he could be that guy, sort of what we talked about before, both an attraction for his his uh, his memes that he creates, you know, sometimes. And also uh, he's, he's he can be a really, really fun fighter to watch. Yeah, the 170-pound the division in the UFC, I think, like you said, like a year ago or a couple years ago, it was really like we were, it was all this unfortunate incidences happening where we couldn't match up these really high level fighters. And I think Darren Till versus Wonderboy, that was an awesome matchup. And that was a pretty, that was a great fight. A lot of people think Wonderboy won. And now Dana White's like, maybe we pushed Darren Till too fast. He was too young, too fast. But uh, I think Ben Askren joining the 170 pound division in the UFC did wonders for that, for the promotion, for that whole division. I mean, I was in LA and for the, the UFC 239 media day and just looking at YouTube, like Ben Askren, people want to hear what he says. And he's only had one fight in the UFC and that was his first fight in how many years? Like he knows what he's doing. And with Chael Sonnen now out of the picture of MMA, well, retired, quote unquote retired, because what does that mean in MMA? Uh, the the landscape needed someone like Ben, uh, ben Askren to kind of take that mantle of like, I'm going to talk a lot of trash. And then 
we're going to fight. Uh, and Ben Askren has picked up that ball and ran with it. Uh, Robbie Lawler coming back after his pretty bad knee injury against uh, Rafael dos Anjos, which was in Winnipeg, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, him coming back offers a lot of fresh matchups. Colby Covington now taking the fight against Robbie Lawler. That's beginning of August. But then Ben Askren is also fighting Jorge, Ma- Jorge Masvidal, UC 239. And as far as what's next for Camaro, I think the he said himself, he can. He's probably going to be ready around November, so maybe that MSG card that the UFC always holds in November. Uh, I think it's going to come down to who has the better performance between all of all four of these guys. Because, like, say, what if Jorge Masvidal comes and just knocks out Ben Askren, like he did Darren Till? Like, a lot, I saw a lot of people picking Darren Till to beat Jorge Masvidal, and then Jorge Masvidal comes and just starches him in one of the most violent knockouts of 2019. Like Darren Till's head clattered off the the canvas, uh, and then if Colby Covington comes out and beats. Robbie Lawler, I don't know how you can deny him the title shot. I mean, he was the interim champion. He comes out and maybe he finishes, maybe he doesn't finish him, but he just maybe he, like, because Kamara, when he fought Rafael dos Anjos, there were like a couple 50 44 scorecards in that fight, and then he got the title shot. So maybe he just dominates Robbie Lawler for five rounds. I don't know how you can't give him a title shot. I know Kamara, after he won the belt from Tyron at the press conference, he said, I want to beat up that guy so badly talking about Colby Covington. So uh, if you're Kamara Usman and you're recovering and you have these two very high-level fights, because I know there's a lot of like, oh, why don't you ever match up the the contenders against each other? Like, why are you preserving contenders for future fights? Like, these are two awesome fights. And I think the winner of whoever has the better performance because Colby Covington is in a main event. Ben Askren is not in a main event. So, But if Ben Askren goes out there and, and stops uh, Hori Masvidal, Kamaru Usman's already eyeing that fight. He are, he has history with all of these guys. So, two big money fights for if you're if you're the the UFC welterweight champion. As far as Bellator, uh, I think the the wild card in all this is John Fitch. He fought Roy McDonald to a draw. He considers himself the uncrowned champion. He thinks he actually won that fight. The only reason Rory got to move on in the Grand Prix is because he was the reigning champion, and so with the draw, he got to move on. So, I think. Whoever wins that that fight between Rory and Lima, I think they're gonna. I think they'll have to fight John Fitch. He considered he, he didn't lose. He 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 didn't lose in the tournament. So I think he makes the most sense as for as far as far as who's the next in line uh, for the welterweight championship of the world in Bellator. But uh, any other thoughts or opinions you want to throw in on this? Uh man, I'm ready to move on. I think our boy LFMWA is doubling up here, though. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Moving on from oh a, a friend from last oh uh, yeah LFMWA the uh, there's yep. two green ones back to back they got much so doubling up John Jones running through the light heavyweight division again Jones recent rate of activity is really wearing down the light heavyweight division roster quickly it's foregone conclusion that Santos is dead man walking and we're looking to the future for viable contenders we're talking about fast tracking Luke Rockle to the title with a win over John for Christ's sakes what about Ratchik Walker and Reyes I guess my question is would you rather see jones destroy blown up middleweights with tons of experience or jones destroy big and powerful young contenders can we have it both ways great question so the light heavyweight division is kind of gone through this massive changing of the guard over recent years where you you have guys like rashad evans retiring uh leota machida and well he wasn't a light heavyweight but he was a middleweight but he most he recently fought a light heavyweight in bellator him and ryan bader left daniel cormier is now at uh at heavyweight, Gustin retired, obviously. Uh, and then you have guys like Anthony Smith, Luke Rockhold, Chris Weidman's coming in, Tiago Santos, 
these guys are all middleweights that came into big things at 205 and now they're fighting for the titles uh so great question your thoughts alex absolutely we can have it both ways and i don't think john jones being active and and running through the division is a bad thing at all i i i I don't know if i'd use the phrase wearing it down um I thought that was a kind of a interesting choice of words there. No, I think I think it's look. He's this is him going on. I hate to say redemption tour because I, you know, I'm personally not a fan of some of the stuff John Jones has gotten up to, and all the uh, you know the drug test controversy. Of course, is for for me, I'm I'm definitely of the camp that it it raised some questions about uh, his legacy and all that. I'm I'm of that I'm of that thought, but nothing changed my mind that when he steps into the cage, he is arguably the most compelling fighter in the world today maybe the most compelling fighter of all time um and watching him go to work is is frankly always enjoyable so no i i think but i i like the suggestion of having it both ways because i don't think he necessarily has to go oh knock off walker knock off reyes knock off rockish one by one he can have you know fight one of those guys and then you know should a, a luke rockhold or someone uh, or gosh, a Chris Weidman who brought it up recently because he's going up to middleweight. Somehow one of these guys fast track their way to a title shot. Yeah, you can do that. You have that that name value fight. And then hopefully one of these other guys, Rockage, Walker Reyes, whoever, is, is again, what, one more fight uh, you know, better, one more uh, six months better in development, and we can see them have a more competitive fight with, uh, with John Jones in the future. Sadly, we probably will see at least one of those names mentioned uh, thrown to the wolves too soon. So uh, pro- probably Johnny Walker, the way he's been talking and, and the way he's been performing. Like, I think he's at least a year away, if not more from being able to seriously challenge a guy like John Jones. But uh, this is the nature of the fight business. You know, sometimes you're a victim of your own success. And uh, I think a lot of people would love to see Johnny fight John at some point. It, it might be sooner than, uh, than they expect. So yeah, not a bad thing at all. And and I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, John Jones staying out of trouble and defending his title, whether it's against uh, these quote-unquote blown-up middleweights or, uh, or yeah, this, 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 this nice youth movement at 205. It's exciting. Yeah, I think having questions surrounding opponents or, or questions surrounding who should fight next and there's this big, like, who's next in line, never a bad thing. Uh, it, it, I don't, I, it might be rough when he does actually clear out the division. I remember when George St. Pierre was running through the welterweight division, there was like, well, who, who else is there? Uh, it's not it yes maybe if John Jones hadn't lost all of those years to his own stupidity uh, maybe we would be in that predicament but I think John Jones leaving like being gone for the that long period of time and then coming back to all these fresh fresh matchups like it's never a bad thing when uh, arguably arguably the greatest fighter of all time in greatest in octagon fighter of all time is is active and I was in when I was in LA we we asked him about that like this is your third fight. Like he's going to fight three times since Daniel Cormier's last fight. Uh, and we asked him like, why, like is this activity basically making up for lost time? And he's like, 100%. Like he lost all this time in his career, the prime of his career. Uh, he's healthy. He didn't take all those, those, he wasn't in those wars during those times. So he basically wants to, in his words, give back to the fans uh, that stuck by him and taking all these fresh matchups. So John Jones uh, definitely hasn't cleared out the light heavyweight division yet. And I asked him, like, everyone wants you to go to heavyweight. Everyone wants you to fight Daniel Cormier a third time. Everyone wants you to do A, B, and C. It's these. It seems like fans are telling John Jones what his goals should be, right? Like, we want you. To, you should be a champ, champ. 
And I go, well, what are your goals? Like, cause it seems like everyone is telling you what they want to see you do. What do you want to do? And he goes, I just want to be undefeated. Uh, in his mind, be stay undefeated and beat these guys in the light heavyweight division. And yeah, being a champ champ, he said, is going to be awesome when it happens. That's how we phrased it. But he has time, he said. He's like, what's the rush? Like, yeah, I, he because I he's like, I beat Daniel Cormier twice. If I beat him a third time at heavyweight, like, yeah, I'm a champ champ. But fighting Daniel Cormier, like, I've already done that twice. Like, I have time to go up to heavyweight. Might as well continue my run of dominance at light heavyweight. And when I clean out the division, then I'll go to heavyweight. So uh, John Jones knows what he wants. He wants to stay light heavyweight and beat all these up and coming guys. I knew Luke, Luke Rockhold's talking the talk. Chris Weidman has said he can, he, him and, and so there was that time when Rockhold, I mean, uh, Weidman and John Jones were like the two champions. And they're like, oh, let's fight for the king of New York at MSG. Like that they have history there. It's not, it's not bad history, but. Uh, Luke Rockhold seems to have kind of beef with everyone in the top five in every division, but he also has pretty, he has like a blood feud with Anthony Smith right now. So if Anthony Smith and Luke Rockhold eventually throw down on the, under, on like maybe the co-main event of the undercard of a John Jones title fight, like I'm about it. Uh, and then Johnny Walker and yeah, Ratchik and uh, Reyes are young up and coming light heavyweights. And John Jones was a young up and coming light heavyweight once too before. And look what happened to him. So uh, the light heavyweight division is, is pretty exciting right now. And John Jones is fighting a crazy man in Tiago Santos. Like I want to see John Jones fight someone that can basically just throw sledgehammers and flamethrowers and like swords all over the place. And he doesn't know what's going to happen to the octagon. So I'm very excited for that fight. Yeah, that's an exciting fight. I think again, I, I, we're going off a little bit of a tangent, but I do, I do want him just to stay at 205. I'll never understand. It's cool. It's cool to imagine him matching up with Stipe Miocic or Brock Lesnar, you know, when that was a fun rumor. Uh, but when you think about like all the greatest champions are where like are renowned for not for taking super like George St. Pierre, that welterweight. He never other than when he fought Bisping, you know, he was a welter. He made his name at welterweight. Anderson Silva took a few fights at 205, but it's the middleweight stuff that made him, you know, what he is. Fedor, Fedor, people have said maybe he could have dropped to 205, but who cares? Who wanted to see that? You know, he's no, his heavyweight run is legendary. Uh, Josie Aldo, we talked about earlier, 145. So uh, as cool as it is to imagine John Jones going up and become a champ champ, I don't think it's necessary. If he never does it, it, like it'd be less fun. It'd be cool to see, but I don't think it's like a tragedy or anything if he never does it. And I want to further tangent. I'm sorry to derail the show, but I want to ask you about John. You mentioned the media day in LA. I, I this is my question to the to the uh, to the ether, the MMA ether. I, I don't know if they can directly respond, but whatever. Hit me up on Twitter. Do whatever you want. Uh, which John Jones do people prefer? Do they prefer the the over the top kind of dickish John Jones, who's like says all kinds of raw stuff to his opponents and disrespects reporters and is like vaguely threatening, or or do they prefer the 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 what the John Jones we saw on Monday, who was like kind and genial and super diplomatic? Because uh, I, I I had mentioned to you guys that I find that the nicer John Jones a little scary. I don't know. There's something about Horrible. it. It's horrible. <laughs> it's and I, I, by the way, for anyone saying I, I don't know John Jones personally, so I'm not saying one persona is phony or, or one or, or one is real. I have no idea. Uh, if anything, he's probably like a lot of celebrities and athletes. We we don't know the real. I, I think we don't know the real John Jones. I think that that's a that's a private thing. I'm sure people who know him will, will say he's a totally different way than anything we've seen. So, but I, I do want to ask you, what do you guys like? Good John Jones, bad John Jones. Uh, is there even is it even that black and white that you know the, the the two the two sides of him that he sometimes presents? Uh, he's he's a fascinating character. He really is. I can tell you from my experience, my friends who don't really follow MMA like the very raw 
John Jones. Uh, I had one spe one specific incident. I remember he had, he was like he came off from a I think it was a press conference or stare down or whatever. It was with Daniel Cormier, and he was like elevated heart like he was hot he was ready to go and he just goes mask off and like just starts like spitting fire and like that specific moment where he was like mask off like that got brought to me by more than a few people who don't even follow mma so uh i but like you said kind and cordial and like i'm the best fighter in the world with a smile on my face john jones is a horrifying person because you don't know what's behind those eyes work going on behind those eyes but uh, anything else you want to say before we move on uh john jones please don't block me that's it oh he already blocked me and for reasons unknown to me i think i was i think i was collateral damage where uh two people were arguing in my in my in like a thread about john jones and he just blocked everyone yeah so i it doesn't bother me i was just that's what i assume because i've never really interacted with him on twitter before but moving on from uh, someone who was brought to our, who left a comment last week, and PC Carroll wished them a better life because his name is Life is Kicking My Butt, or her, Life is Kicking My Butt, left a comment. Bellator UK, a great, even devastated by idiotic format slash packaging. I think he meant great event, devastated by idiotic format slash packaging. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the fights from Bellator London, except except these were two or three, who the hell knows, events somehow distributed around different viewing platforms and labeled as different things. Bellator London was separate from Bellator 223 for some reason. Uh, can you can you come up with any good reason for this clusterfuck? This time, Bellator could steal UFC's thunder easily because UFC Greenville was the weakest card in UFC history. Instead, Bellator pulled a defeat from the jaws of victory uh it was i'll speak on the broadcasting thing it was real weird i never know where bellator is going to be aired i never know what time is going to be aired i whether it's going to be delayed or whether we can watch it live or what it's called i think the bellator new york card the first msg was something similar like the prelims were bellator like one for i don't know what the exact number was but it was like bellator like 187 and then the main card was bellator nyc or vice versa. I can't quite remember, but they were basically two events and two different hashtags on Twitter. So that's annoying. I never know where it's going to air. Uh, I basically, our, our colleague, Pizza Carol, I use him as a source for all of this because I don't know what's going on sometimes. But uh, they were awesome fights. I just didn't know how to watch them at the time. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. I so you know we look at these questions ahead, of course. And I was trying to, I was trying to be a hero and think like, oh, I'll, I'll find a way to explain this. But as I did more research, uh, it became more confusing. So I, it's a, it's a, it's an extremely valid question. Uh, on the positive side, uh, we had the ratings report come in today from our own Dave Meltzer. Uh, apparently, did a pretty solid. The Paramount portion of the card, which was headlined by Paul Daly and my mind just blanked. Was it was Paul Daly and uh, Eric Silva? Eric Silva. Yeah, uh, did a pretty solid number. I think just under 400,000 viewers, which was their highest since uh, January, uh, though considerably lower. That January high was something close to 700,000. So uh, just to put that in perspective. So that's a, so it kind of goes with what, what this question is saying is they had a drawing card. They had a card people wanted to see. Uh, so so the people who, you know, they, they had an audience there. I wonder how much higher that number would have been if it would have been more clear whether the whole card was going to air if the Musasi Lovato fight aired uh, on on uh, Paramount, which it didn't, I believe that was Bellator app only. Uh, I think, and I and I think some of the card also aired on the Zone. And I'm just talking about, by the way, on our side of the pond over there, there was uh, something. It's like on Channel Five, and I think Sky Sports. 
if I'm off, anyone, please just kill me in the comments. But either way, the point is that it, not, it wasn't all on one channel. I heard there was blackouts uh, in certain regions, which is extremely confusing. Someone, I think, mentioned in a comment that the main event, uh, depending what, what, you know, what you were watching on, uh, not the main event, sorry, the Musashi-Lovato fight, depending what you were watching on, was cut off uh, midway, Peppa Pig style. So <laughs> it's, I'm not going to, you know me, I don't, I don't like to be harsh. I'm always, I'm always delicate with my language. But it, it, was this a missed opportunity? Yeah, I, I think big time it was. Um, I, I can't speak to the you know exact broadcasting requirements that that led to this decision. Maybe it all makes sense, you know, over at Bellator HQ. Maybe this is what made them the most money. Maybe when the numbers come in of the UK viewership, who was primarily who this card was for, it, it'll be extremely positive. But as far as growing the brand, I, I would be. I don't know how they they could possibly you know uh, skew the numbers to say that this grew the brand when. Uh, it could have helped in that regard at least a little bit. So yeah, a little bit of a shame that that is confusing to watch. Um, because there there were some good fights and so a lot of stuff happened. And there was there was no UFC event the weekend of Bellator NYC, correct? I don't think so. And Bellator NYC, this most recent one, the the Roy McDonald one, that was on oh, a, yeah. that was on a Friday. Right. If that had if I'm Bellator, I'm sticking that fight card on a Saturday, no competition. And you know, people are used to watching fights on Saturday. It's in, it's on it's in America. It's on normal prime time over here. But, but it was on a Friday. I, I I don't know how it did well, but I, I don't want to say missed opportunity because that fight card obviously was great and was one of the, we we talked about it actually the first show like that could have been the the most stacked Bellator card in Bellator history. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I was very confused this weekend because I there was also Greenville and bare knuckle boxing and bellator so there was a lot of fisticuffs going on and as soon as i was like as as soon as i saw one was overly complicated to figure out i don't want to say i put it in the back of my mind but i was trying to do like three things while also trying to find bellator and i didn't all of a sudden i'm seeing like twitter like bellator already started i was like oh great now i have to go find this so it was a little confusing a little confusing but uh, i'm sure they'll i'm sure and I'll, i'm sure they'll they'll fix it for the future i hope anyway uh, I, you mentioned bare knuckle and I just want to, there was a question earlier. It didn't get green. I just going to touch upon it quickly. I think just a lot of people in general are asking what's with all the bare knuckle coverage and, and just to give a little a, a inside baseball, I think, man, I, I wish people could see these bare knuckle events. Uh, the ones that we focus on anyway, they do insane numbers. Uh, people, especially the low pop Malignaggi one, you know, I mean, that's probably the most famous fight now of the modern bare knuckle era, however Ooh. brief that is. So, uh, so yeah, we definitely do a lot of bare knuckle coverage, I, and, I, and I think we will going forward when there's you know an appropriate event that we think there's some crossover appeal, and um, yeah, I mean that matters to us for sure. It's it's it, is it catering to a certain audience, um, you know, beyond our core? Yeah, probably. Uh, and I, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I, like I said, we're talking about expanding Bellator expanding audience. You know, we're always looking to expand that as well. And I think if people will see, we had like just as much coverage of. Bellator uh, 223 slash London and uh, Greenville. Yeah, J Jed Mishu was in Greenville. Right? Yeah. yeah, I think we had just as so much coverage on Fight Night uh, as we did uh, as Bare Knuckle. Maybe even more. Uh, we're talking about raw articles. Now, post-fight, we definitely have had more Bare Knuckle uh, stuff than, I will say, than Greenville Aftermath and Bellator Aftermath. So that so if, there, if there's a criticism of that, people don't like that stuff, I mean, that's that's accurate. Uh, again, like I said, as far as we can tell, people seem to be interested, but I do see the stray comments here and there asking why is there so much uh, bare knuckle stuff, but that's why it, 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 it there's an interest in, in it for sure. Uh, it might, might might not be to everyone's cup of tea, but it, it is out there. I'm telling you, and uh, and yeah, and, and and I'm definitely for it. Yeah, and 
Esther and Casey said there was actually a ton of media at the bare knuckle event. So it's not just us covering it. There was a lot of people there uh, to watch Polly Malinaji and Artem Lobov throw down with no gloves on. But moving on, if, unless you want to say anything else. No, just say sorry, everyone. That is that is the nature of the uh, combat sports business. We are we are we're always you know we like we're sticking with the with our core for sure, but we're always moving on to the uh, the hot new thing as well. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the nature of the beast. Yeah, we're gonna move on quickly because we've been talking a lot and we still have a few questions to get to. But the dangers of mixing roles from Da Daff Daffmeister. All right. Colby Covington should not have Dan Lambert as a manager. This is the first sentence, like right off the bat. It puts Dan in a position where if he declined on Colby's behalf to fight Robbie, it could have ha- could have a backlash for other ATT fighters. Managers are supposed to function as a wall between fighters and pr- promoters when conditions are harsh and having a manager that's also the owner of a gym is terrible. Harsh. That's also the owner of your gym. This this punctuation is missing in this is a terrible idea for any fighter's career as history has shown it has not has not worked for him so far and backfired again recently should fighters serious should fighters i'm putting i'm going to add some words into this sentence like there's a few missing should fighters be serious about a career being serious about a career find a manager before they find a high level not their first gym to circumvent getting peer pressured into a situation like this also, what's worse, having your coach also be your manager or having your dad as your coach? <laughs> oh, my. Well, there's a lot of that sentence, that one long sentence with no punctuation uh, was rough. But, uh, yeah, uh, what is your thoughts on uh, fighters having their coach as their manager or their dad as their coach and this whole situation this, this uh, commenter presented? Yeah. So for anyone who who uh, isn't on our site and can't read the question, it's just it's just should people find a manager first before uh, deciding on a gym? You know, deciding on a big gym. Uh, and two, the uh, as you said clearly, um, what's worse, uh, a coach manager or dad manager? Uh, sorry, a coach manager or coach dad? Uh, it's yeah. The Dan Lambert thing is is a little tricky. Um, he has so many fighters under his umbrella that uh, I get it. I get what they're saying here. This could set a bad precedent. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I agree with how with uh, the Daffmeister's like <laughs> s- like such so as like, again. I, I'm not even sure if there's a question here. So much as trying to convince us of something. Um, it, I it, I don't think it's the worst thing because I think coaches can know. Gosh, they can know a fighter's you know motivations, what drives them, and they're just around them so much more. Most coaches, I, I think this is, goes without saying, are obviously around their fighters more than than their managers are. And now is that a good thing? Okay, I, I, I somewhat I'm thinking now, and I somewhat see why maybe being too close to the situation, uh, you know, might not be good. Why, why you need that manager? I, I know um, there was a, bit, a debate not too long ago of whether some fighters even need managers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know how how much that is now. As far as I know, most high level fighters have representation, but I'm sure there are some exceptions. Um, I, I would say the dad coach is worse. Uh, if I if I had to answer this question, I, I think the dad coach is is a it can only go so far. Maybe it's maybe I'm stuck on thinking about Sage Northcutt and his broken face. Um, and maybe I feel like I'm unfairly blaming his father for for, you know, not stopping that. I don't know how much control he had over that situation. But yeah, uh, and I'm also thinking about other sports where uh, athletes were coached by their father uh, up to a certain age. And and I'm thinking about Pete Maravich. The first one comes to mind. And then uh, um 
the football player and it's escaping my name now and people are going to remind me i'm sure so yeah the dad coach thing i think is worse i think manager coach i think manager coach can work uh the specific dan lambert situation again um i'll, I'll be honest i don't know i don't understand all the dynamics of it uh and maybe i guess what they're saying he he's uh or what the daffmeister is saying is that the lawler matches you know they got forced into it but i don't know if that's the case i, I i'll be honest with you I, i'd have to do a little more digging to know like how how reluctant um colby and his team were to taking this because i i don't know i think it's somewhat of a sensible matchup for them maybe i'm wrong jose i i've just rambled please uh please fix this answer for me well right out of the gate you said Pete maravich <laughs> and that was wrong Pete maravich pistol Pete maravich is a basketball player yeah uh, and i think you're talking about todd marinovich i was but Pete maravich was also coached by his father all right well Pete maravich was yeah. i think two that, that's too different because Pete maravich had an unbelievable career and if three he did if if the three point line existed when he was playing, he would have averaged like sixty points a game in college. Todd he Marino, did, he did. But his coach, his father, also kind of messed up his life a little bit. Fair, Todd Marinovich. Yeah, yeah. No, but I was I was thinking marriage and uh, Steve Marinovich. Yes, as well. Todd Marinovich was the Todd Marinovich thing. The quarterback that yes was like the, there were like rumors and legends of he ne he never had a Big Mac until he was in college because his dad was like so strict on him. But uh, I did Dan Lambert might be going back to the question. Dan Lambert might be uh a different for specifically for Colby. I was there when he won the interim title fight against Rafael Dos Anjos. And as soon as Colby Covington walked out of the octagon there, Dan Lambert was waiting for him and they just hugged and Dan Lambert was like on the verge of tears. He was so happy. So for specifically for Colby, I think he's known Colby for so long, like since his, the Genesis of his MMA career, it's a different relationship between Dan Lambert and Colby and other fight uh manager coaches or gym owner coach gym manager managers whatever the situation is so then a lot of fighters down at att have dan lambert's back a lot of them like really credit them as like kind of like a father figure to them so that might be a different scenario i also think it depends on the situation for dad coach because stephen thompson's had great success in the ufc octagon and his dad is his coach uh i remember why i was there also octagon side when uh wonder boy knocked out jake ellenberger and you could I don't know if you remember that fight, how it looked, that fight card looked on paper, but that was the day after UFC 189, which was uh, Connor, Mendez, Robbie, Rory, too. So that's like arguably the greatest main, main card in UFC history. The next day was the uh, Black Zillions ATT, speaking of Dan Lambert, uh, ATT tough finale. Right. And there was no one in the, in the arena. I mean, I, we could literally count the people in the arena. I think people just had burnout. And I think that's the last time the UFC's ever done that the day after event. Uh, it was so there, it was so quiet in there that you could hear the coach. It was like watching the Contender Series live. You could hear the coaches yell, and you can hear Stephen Thompson's father shouting all these instructions. And he just you just hear spin, and then he spin kicks Jake Ellenberger in the head and knocks him out. So I think that situation right there just shows you, like, yeah, he's been coaching his son for so long that he knows like when to throw what and he just goes spin and steven thompson knows what to do and he scores the knockout of the night one of the craziest knockouts you'll see uh and then that obviously catapulted him into the the title picture because i think that was the last big test and then i i believe after that he fought rory and after that he fought for, like more like and eventually fought for the title but uh, i think it's there's it just depends on who the the coach dad or who the manager coach is whatever you want to call them everyone's situation is different especially for colby and especially for a fighter like stephen wonderboy thompson uh but go ahead someone just, someone just commented on the site uh lomachenko 
is also coached by his yeah, dad. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you he's should, done for, he's done fairly well for himself in boxing. So perhaps I stand corrected. Yeah. 100%. And we're <laughs> going to move on because there's a lot of questions popping up kind of all involving the site slash us. But I'm going to get to this one first. From Eduardo Bueno. Oh, boy. Friendly question, yes. Jose. Hey, Jose, can you talk about your little, little encounter with Mike Perry in the infamous friendly hair case? Uh, what, ha what happened after you left? Any repercussions or counseling from the other media members? Did this, cat did this case change something on the way you approach fighters nowadays? Cheers. Well, sure. I'll pull back the curtain. I asked Mike Perry a question that he didn't like how it was presented, and he got very angry at me and was during a scrum for, before UFC Denver. I'll take, I take blame. Uh, I presented the question. I could have presented the question better. It was also a lot of people saying like, oh, why didn't you ask him about this? Why don't you ask him about this? Why don't you ask him about this? That was the end of the scrum. And Mike Perry, if you don't know, he gets on edge when he's cutting weight as most fighters do. Uh, he was not in the best of moods because he was cutting weight. And this was also the fight before he fought Cowboy. So a lot of the questions were like Winkle John versus Cowboy kind of thing. And Mike Perry stuck in the middle. You could see him being a little on edge. I asked him about if he was friends with Luis Pena, his friendship with Luis Pena, because they were uh, two of the subjects of the anatomy of the fighter uh, vlogs that week. And they were like cutting weight, going out to dinner, playing basketball together. And it's an interesting dynamic when you see a very tall ginger man with an afro and an earring hang out with Mike Perry. It's just an interesting dynamic. And I asked him about that. Definitely could have presented it better. 100%, I get that. And Mike Perry got very mad and uh, said I had friendly hair and walked away. And he was hot for sure after. Like, he walked right into the uh, the hallway of the fighter hotel. And yeah, I could hear his coach cooling him down. And some of the media, for the people who asked if uh, the media, like, consoled me, they – no one ever came up to me and was like, that was a bad question. I just – I knew. And they – some people were like, I don't let it get to you. And I didn't. Like, I'm not – I don't dislike Mike Perry at all. Like if I saw if I'm going to interview him again in the future at, me, at future media days, uh, whether he remembers the incident or not. The only thing that really bugged me was uh, later on that week, because I think that was on a Wednesday or Thursday. And that was my first ever event covering for MMA fighting. He's still on the anatomy of, of a fighter. And that week that kind of took off. He's watching him berate me. And then he's like, yo, F that reporter. And I was like, well, that was kind of mean. Uh, but again, I don't dislike Mike Perry. He's I'm gonna interview him again in the future. Just I definitely could have prevented the question better and I'll take I'll take blame. But no media member has ever come up to me and been like, oh, shake it off, or I mean, or told me I didn't do a bad no one told me I did a bad job. They just said don't let it get to you. And I was like, it didn't. It's yeah. it's part of the job getting yelled at by fighters, I guess. Yeah, you know why nobody told you uh, you did a bad job? Because you didn't do a bad job. You did you didn't you did your normal job. Okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say whatever, you know, when we, when we ask kind of those questions, I'll say like somewhat fluffy questions about, uh, fighter social media and what they've been up to. Look, that's, that's interesting stuff. And, and if you don't ask, sometimes those questions lead to some super compelling answers. Sometimes they don't. Uh, I don't think there's any reason for him to have been set off. I don't think you need to apologize at all. Uh, oh, mother, not, anyone out there, I'm not apologizing. I'm just saying no. I definitely could have presented the question better. The, the wording I could have. I, I don't know what you did wrong. I remember the clip. I, I don't recall you doing it. And before anyone says anything, by the way, I don't even like Jose. So this isn't yeah. me defending my, I don't even, we work together. I don't, we're colleagues. I don't even really like the guy. So this isn't me just defending my friend or anything. Uh, but I don't think you said anything wrong. Mike Perry is uh, a personality for sure. He's, and you, to, in fairness, you said cutting weight. 
I can't imagine what that does to people's like demeanors and stuff. So for sure he was on edge. Like, I'm not going to say this guy's like a jerk all the time. I, again, I, like I said about John Jones, I don't know Mike Perry. I've never interviewed him personally. I've never even done a scrum with him. I don't like his persona. I don't like the, what, you know, the, the character he puts forward. I know some people think he's cool and quirky and he's out there. He just comes off to me like someone I would not want to hang out with. And I know this is on video and public. Look, if 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 this gets out there, Mike Perry thinks I'm a I'm a jerk. That's fine. I'll, I'm sure you know we can talk it over sometime. And by talk it over, I literally mean talk. I I don't want him to beat the living crap out of me, which he could do probably in like about three seconds. Um. So yeah, I, I that 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 moment I thought was, you know, I already was kind of not a fan of him, and I I didn't like how he handled it. The clip is out there if anyone wants to see it. You guys can judge for yourselves. Um, if anyone on either side did anything egregiously wrong, I, I don't think it was the worst moment for you or him. But um, yeah, people ask, people want to know. And I'm just using that as an excuse to kind of say, I don't like Mike Perry, though. Um, for people who admire him as a fighter, I don't blame you. The guy is really, really exciting to watch. And and as as far as I know, as uh, work ethic wise, I've heard nothing but good things. Like as far as how hard he works in the gym, like I, I've heard he's like a top, you know, he's a guy, he's a top shelf athlete as it is. And I heard he just like, he's, he's really, really good about that. So I'm not saying anything about him as a fighter. And, uh, and I'm just, again, basing my comments on what I've seen and how he presents himself. And so, uh, you know, let this be, this is the beginning of the AK Lee, Mike Perry feud. Then, uh, so be it. but you know, Mike Perry, you can call me friendly all you want, buddy. Let's just put it out there. You want to call yeah, me a friend? I'm day, a friendly guy. I'm a friendly guy. At the end of the day, he said I had friendly hair and now I get yeah. that all the time on Twitter. <laughs> it's worse things for people to say at you. Yes. It's like I talked to Ariel years ago and people still bring up like people like you get slapped. That was what, like 10 years ago when Nick Diaz <laughs> said that? And he still gets it and he still interviews Nick Diaz and both Diaz brothers. So I'm, it didn't bother me. I didn't take it personally whatsoever. Uh, I kind of, I moved on from it right away. Uh, and then, but what you going to do? There's worse things to be called than a man with friendly hair your hair uh, looks great by the way oh hey thanks yeah hey, thanks yeah moving on though because i don't want to i hate talking about myself uh there's a handful of questions i'll try and pick and choose but there's been a lot of there's a lot of questions future of mma fighting even the questions have been blah 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 what are your plans for new shows are coming and we can't say exactly what's coming but stay tuned there's a lot of fun stuff happening at mma fighting down the line uh, but we can't say yet. Just be ready for some fun times ahead on MMAfighting.com. Right, Alex? Yeah, again, I don't have anything to add to that. Like you said, we have stuff coming along. Uh, you know, nothing nothing we can go into detail about. Sorry, to just my camera there for a second. But uh, we appreciate all the comments, questions. I know, I know again, look, our, our, our company's been, a, uh, our, our site, you know, we've had a lot of talent change, and that's fine. But, uh, you know, I think stick with us. Damon Martin, if you guys have been reading Damon Martin stuff, you know, we just brought on Damon probably a, a couple of weeks ago. The guy, I think he's written about 500 articles uh, in the last two weeks and, and a lot of them original interviews, exclusive interviews. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, I From our side, I mean, MMA fighting just keeps just keeps cranking along. I think we're doing great. Uh, but I understand. Yeah, for the readers, for sure. Things are different. Things are different. So stick with us, man. We appreciate again comments, criticisms, people who love us, haters, um, just hang in there and, uh, uh, you know, keep, keep on, uh, keep on reading, keep on clicking. And I'm going to jump to Twitter because there are still a few questions on the site, but I would feel bad if I don't get to Twitter and we're kind of, we're running a little long as it is, but from our friend, fast. our friend, Dan Shapiro on Twitter, what does this Colby versus Lawler fight really accomplish? And is the log jam at Weltsway really too deep? Since March, RDA and Luke, uh, Vincente Luque are the only top 15 fighters who have com have competed. So are we heading towards another interim title? Uh, we kind of talked about this before. I don't think the – I like like 
Colby Covington needs fight. His last fight was UFC 220-225, I want to say. If I remember the dates, the events correctly. That was the last Chicago car when he beat Rafael Dos Anjos in the co-main event. Uh, and... The, but like we we've talked about this before, uh, he just he needs to fight. If he beats Robbie Lawler, there's no arguing. I think there's a lot of a lot of people kind of criticize him for not taking the I, the fight against Tyron Woodley on one or two separate occasions. Then the cancellation of that pay per view event in in January that uh, Kamaru Usman and Ben Askren both volunteered to save, and I guess Colby Covington didn't. This is just all from what I've been told. Uh, I think he just he he wants to fight, and if he, if he's going to get passed up, if he was in danger, where if Ben Askren goes out there and puts on an unbelievable performance, and Colby Covington is still waiting for Kamaru Usman, Ben Askren himself said, "Like if I beat Jorge Masvidal, I'm going to leapfrog Colby Covington again. I'm going to be another fighter that leapfrog him." So maybe he saw that the writing on the wall, and he's like, "Oh, I have to fight. I have to keep my name in the, um, I have to keep my name in the top of the." The, the the top 15 uh, on the on the on the lips of readers and viewers minds uh so if he beats robbie lawler convincingly over five rounds in a main event fight like again i don't know how you can deny colby Covington the shot against kamaru Usman. yeah uh dan shaparo it's a fair question but i will i will say this is one situation i understand also it's true it, it's it's a really dangerous fight to throw him in this is one situation where i wish mma was a little more like boxing and they had actual kind of tune-up fights or keep busy fights sure you can't really do that with this way the UFC is structured. And I mean, the roster just isn't that big. You're not going to throw in Colby with some like, uh, you know, bottom 30 welterweight. And again, in MMA, he, he could easily lose to him. So uh, you definitely don't want to do that. So there, it's really a no win scenario. But like you said, he needs to fight again. Uh, so yeah, if anything, it's it, what purpose does it serve? It's a really exciting matchup. It's it's a, it's going to is it the headliner of, the, of that event? I believe so. It, it's it headlines a card. So just from a from a, you know, purely like functional standpoint that's you know it serves it serves a purpose in that sense uh but yeah i wish i wish there was more of a tune-up and not someone who could legitimately take his head off um but yeah i mean it's yeah it serves a very logical but didn't you hear dana white at the ufc apex q a like he's gonna save boxing and make these fun matchups that no one gets to see forget yeah, tuna fights man <laughs> Yeah. Oh no. I, I'm sure I'll handle boxing fine. Uh, again, and, and when his son is champion uh, of of the uh, Dana White Boxing Association in in three years, that's gonna be great. That's gonna be really good for our headlines. I feel sure. But uh, we're gonna move on. Uh, one more question on Twitter. Uh, with Ngannou versus JDS, I believe it's very likely the winner. Get, I'm reading it off an iPad right now, so I'm not bouncing my yep. camera around. With Ngannou versus JDS, I believe it's very likely the winner gets the the next title shot. If Ngannou wins, said. The grammar. If Ngano wins, setting up a match with DC or Stepe, do you feel Ngano has turned the corner in his mental game and technical skills to not be controlled via wrestling against DC or Stepe? Well, I think it really depends on who wins that Stepe DC fight. Uh, I think DC is coming up at the end of his career. I mean, well, not even. I think he's definitely. This might. He said himself, "This might be my last fight." Uh, and then he's obviously people are going to ask him about John Jones over and over and over and over. People ask John Jones about Daniel Cormier over and over and over and over. So if Daniel Cormier wins, I don't think he's going to fight Francis or JDS next. I think he might fight John Jones a third time and then call it a career. If Stipe wins, maybe they run, they do a trilogy fight against Daniel Cormier. So there's a lot of questions coming out of that before we can really match make. Uh, but if Francis goes out there and just crushes Junior Dos Santos like he did against Curtis Blaze and like he did against Cain Velasquez, like, is anyone going to argue that that man doesn't deserve 
a UFC, another UFC, a shot at the UFC heavyweight title. Uh, and in terms of his mental game, uh, he seems to be doing everything right now. He's training out of the PI, and I think I've seen him at Syndicate or Extreme Couture. I can't quite remember what Jimmy is in Vegas, but uh, that Derek Lewis fight definitely opened his eyes to like I can't be gun shy. I need to. He was so focused. He was like he said himself. He was gun shy and he was nervous in there after his fight against Stipe to like preserve his energy. And I definitely think he's turned a corner in both his mental game, his preparation. Cause against Stipe, I don't know if you remember, I was at that fight. He said that he was, he thought he could just go out there and knock Stipe out right away, which you see in the first round, he's swinging these sledgehammers early. And now I think he's kind of formulating a game plan rather than just, rather than just decapitate his opponents. He's coming in with a plan of what to do. Whether he can implement that against an elite level wrestler like Daniel Cormier or like a person that already beat him like Stipe is another story, though. Uh, as you mentioned, we're low on time, so uh, I'll just reiterate the question quickly: Has he turned the corner in mental game, technical skill, not to, be, to not be controlled via wrestling against DC or Stipe? Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be that blunt. I want. I'd rather like if because if we're short if on time, we're short on time. We're short on time. No. Yeah, and he's what his last few fights have been what less than a minute combined, maybe a little more than a minute combined. We don't know, but uh, if whoever wins that fight, there's no arguing with me that they're they are the most logical next contender for the UFC heavyweight champion of the world. Who they fight for that title is another story. But uh, we are we ran ten minutes over time as it is. Uh, Alex, as usual, the floor is yours for whatever promo you want. You have a lot to live up to because Pete Carroll went scorched earth last week. <laughs> Uh, talking about Dana White Contender Series. And you actually watched the Contender Series. I don't know if oh. what your promo was about, but the floor is yours. Well, I'm definitely not going to talk about Contender Series. It was maybe the least notable episode uh, in the history of the show, the first one ever to have no finishes. Uh, but congratulations to uh, Miles Johns and Miguel Baeza. I, I probably messed that up. Baeza, I'm sorry, Miguel Baeza for getting their contracts. Well-deserved. There's probably a couple other guys that could have gotten them as well, but no no big controversies this week. Uh, no, nothing uh, Brendan, Brendan Lucknane. Uh, related. So uh, hopefully Contender Series gets a little better. The fights have been a bit stagnant this year, but um, I won't rant on that. I will say uh, what I've got coming up this week, a couple of interviews from guys fighting in Minneapolis, Vince Murdoch and uh, Journey Newson, who are late notice replacements. So I got those. My predictions, as always, from Minneapolis will be coming up. And I want to say something about predictions, and that's one, I'm terrible at them, though I'm on a good streak recently. But even though I'm on a good streak, for people who read my predictions, thank you, first. Secondly, never use my predictions to gamble. They are, I, I, I never put a disclaimer at the beginning because I think it's just common sense. Especially if you've, <laughs> especially for anyone who has tracked my success rate, do not use them to gamble. I've had a few thank yous on Twitter like, oh, thanks, man. You picked a few good underdogs. I'm like, yeah, I, listen, I got lucky. I got lucky. It's MMA. I would just feel not to gamble on MMA ever. But if you must gamble on MMA, do not use my predictions as a guideline. They're strictly for fun, strictly just for conversation and, and, and to almost like a little preview of the fights. They are not for gambling purposes. Read the predictions. And for my promo, I'm going to say I am going to miss the MMA hour and the MMA beat tremendously. Uh, like, like we both said, we have fun things coming, but I personally wanted to give it a good send off. Uh, I remember listening to Ariel's show for when he was, when he ran it for a long time, back to even when he was on the fan house days, I remember when he had Overeem in studio with celebrating the birthday to Rampage Jackson doing Gundam style to Mayhem Miller kind of losing his mind in the old studio. And then the MMA beat was always a pleasure to listen to some people that I hoped would eventually be my colleagues. So now they are my colleagues. So uh, I am going to miss those shows tremendously. 
Uh, but there's going to be, again, a lot of fun things coming at MMA fighting down the line. I think Luke and Danny were great. I know they had a big shoes to fill with New York, Rick, and Ariel, and I think they hit it out of the park. Uh, and I'm going to miss both of those shows, like I said, quite a bit. But don't don't blink. Fun, fun stuff. Fun stuff is coming. Uh, but for Jose, anything else you want to say uh, before we sign off, Alex? I'll just say the end. Guess what? The A side every week, man. It ain't going yeah. nowhere. So the A side. Yeah. So yeah, we got some new programs coming along. But let me say, an A side is going to be here every Wednesday. Whether it's me, Pizzi, uh, who else works for our side? Gui. Esther Lynn, Casey. Now it's a name. I, I hate doing this. Now it's a name everyone. Or we're gonna forget. Damon. Uh, maybe Damon. Damon. We gotta get Damon out here. Uh, so uh, and uh, heaven help us someday. Jed Mashu uh, is, is gonna, be, gonna back. be on the A side, and I don't think Planet Earth is ready. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this program ain't going nowhere. Jose, you're doing an amazing job hosting. Keep it up, my man. And uh, someday people will talk about the A side, uh, much like they did the MMA Hour and the Beat. <laughs> uh well i hope i hope that is the case but for jose that's alex we'll be back at normal time next week we might have some fun things for next uh for ufc 239 fight week i'll be in las vegas with esther and casey and the comment section loved casey the last time he was on so maybe we'll be on again <laughs> uh but for jose alex next week normal time you can stick around on mafighting.com and the YouTube page for all of our fun stuff obviously UFC minneapolis is on saturday correct me if i'm wrong uh, mm -hmm. a lot of we didn't talk about it, but Husie Formiga and Joseph Benavidez is on that is is on that card too, and that is a very important fight for the future of the flyweight division, and who could possibly get another the the next shot at a 125 pound title. But until then, we're out. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure; it's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.